financial feminist financial feminist now it's time for the financial feminist Welcome to the Financial Feminist Podcast. I'm your host, the Financial Feminist, and I'm really excited to be bringing you our first news episode of the podcast. This is our Australia-focused episode, and with that in mind, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land I'm recording this episode on, and pay my respects to the elders both past and present. Each week in this series, you can expect news items making headlines for a financial and feminist breakdown. Now it's time to delve into Australia's news this week with me, your host, The Financial Feminist. For our first story, if you didn't feel safe walking home at night, how likely are you to stay in that space? It's a conundrum a lot of young people feel on our university campuses. What made news on Friday afternoon is that Australia will be setting up an independent body to help tackle gender-based violence on university campuses. According to a report in The Guardian, this national ombudsman will help by overseeing sexual assault complaints at unis to address student safety concerns, which also means students can escalate complaints and means universities and student accommodation providers have greater accountability on this issue. It's part of a wider plan seeking to address student safety concerns that has officially gone national on Friday. Now, you're expecting me to say it's a feminist issue because women are at the forefront of much of the work that has led us to this story. And that's true in part. Our Watch Chief Executive, Paddy Kinnersley, put together the plan, for example, and consulted with advocacy groups on this issue, including, but not limited to, Stop Campaign, End Rape on Campus, and Fair Agenda. There is a lot of feminist labour, often unpaid, or women sharing their experience as activists pushing for change on this issue. And that's been devoted to getting to this point. But the benefits of this go beyond gender. I remember a conversation I had last year with a young man who mentioned that he had felt unsafe on his university campus when some drunk students were being aggressive at night. In short, everyone deserves to feel safe on a campus they're expected to attend and are also paying a lot of money to be at. And that brings me to the financial element. This is a financial issue. Going to uni and undertaking a degree is a huge financial commitment. Indexation means fees have already gone up by 7.8% this year, so you're paying more for your degree. Plus, in Australia, it's common to have a student loan for your fees, which the Australian Financial Review cites as around $50,000 on average for students carrying debt. If I was paying for a degree that's getting more expensive each year, I'd like to feel safe enough to stay late in the library to study and access the spaces and study materials I'm paying for. I want to feel safe in the space that I'm paying upwards of $50,000 to be sitting in to make sure that I can do well in my exams in my degree and get a job that will help me pay back that debt faster. So what's next? Well, up to now, the burden for pushing for improved safety on campus had been largely on activists often undertaking unpaid work. On Friday, the Peak Body for Universities, Universities Australia, said that they were committed to addressing the issue and they can do more because that's what their students deserve. The acting CEO of Our Watch said that there would be an immediate improvement in response and support. So a good news story in ensuring that all young feminists going to university can feel safer on campus, both in terms of preventing gender-based violence and in terms of structures to support you should your safety ever be at risk. And what can you do? 
Well, personally, I think it's time to acknowledge some of the feminists who have got us to this point. So that's what we're about to do. To the ANU students who founded and have led the stock campaign, who developed the Safe Response Toolkit and College Programme. To Arwatch, a national leader in the primary prevention of violence against women and their children in Australia, and a great source of information on this issue if you'd like to learn more. To Fair Agenda, a community of collective impact campaigning for a fair and gender equal future. To End Rape on Campus Australia, that provides direct support to students impacted by sexual assault and sexual harassment within Australian university communities, and who advocates for reform on this issue. Thank you. You've started this change, and that means that so many more people will get value from their degrees and be able to focus on their studies, rather than focusing on whether or not they will be safe to study. I've linked their websites in the show notes so you can find out more about them. Thank you. Now our second story is an urban legend for you. Did you ever hear about the HR officer who got fired and on their last day accidentally left a document by the photocopier, which named all the individual salaries across the whole company? That's one way to ensure the office talks more transparently about salary rates. And it's perhaps needed given many employers still don't publish the salary rates and insist on playing this cat and mouse game around your expectations, which just results in people being paid different salaries for exactly the same work. Well, if you're an employer who thinks that asking the question, what are your salary expectations for this job, is better for your bottom line than transparency, this is not going to be your week. On Tuesday, 27th of February, the Workplace Gender Equality Agency will be publishing the gender pay gaps for every Australian employer. That's right. If you've got 100 or more people in your workplace, this includes you. You can go to the individual employer page on that website on Tuesday to see median pay gaps, gender composition and average remuneration. It's a key feminist issue because companies are going to have a statement alongside their data, giving the company's viewpoint on the gender pay results. If I were to decide whether to work at a company, I'd want to see if there's a pay gap. But also, once companies are aware of it, whether they respond with tangible action or more of the right-sounding words as they continue to ask me about their expectations rather than pursue transparency. It's a financial issue because pay gaps hold people back. Money represents opportunity, and if nearly half of the population aren't able to earn the same salary, that's a problem. Last year, the Workplace Gender Equality Agency published the Australian average total remuneration pay gap. It was 21.7%, which means on average, your gender means that you can earn $26,393 less. As a next step, you can look up the gender pay gap of each and every organisation across Australia with more than 100 employees from Tuesday 27th February and read what they've got to say about their gender pay gap. Simply head to the Workplace Gender Equality Agency website and look up the data that's been published. We'll link it in the show notes for you. And if you're thinking of joining a company, check the data. If you're already working for a company, ask them about it. The data is out there, but what will create change is us, people engaging with the data, asking questions and holding a company to account to make sure that someone's gender doesn't determine their salary. And if you're a company wondering how you can make a difference, start by publishing the salaries when you advertise a job and engage in basic pay transparency consistently so that pay gaps don't start from when someone walks in your front door. And finally, some good news for feminists across Australia who suffer from a disease which is agonisingly painful and for which there is no cure. That's right, we're talking about endometriosis. 
if you know people who suffer from endo, you know it's a literal pain they've got to manage throughout their daily lives. And that brings me to the good news. Australia's drug regulator has approved a treatment for endometriosis, which could help relieve the pain that sufferers from the condition feel. If you need a reminder of what endo is, it's a chronic condition whereby tissue similar to the lining of the uterus grows outside it, and that leads to inflammation and scarring, among other things. And while some treatments are available, including pain relief medication, you know that not all current treatments are effective for everyone. So this new oral tablet, which has been approved by the TGA in Australia, that could lead to the first effective treatment for many people living with endometriosis to relieve that debilitating pain. It's a feminist issue because it affects people based on their anatomy, something completely outside their control. And the fact it does only impact people with a uterus means it goes beyond pain. A quote from a fantastic Frankie magazine article published this month, which we'll link in the show notes, and it articulates this point so well. Endometriosis is more than a physical condition. It's a social, political and economic one. Sexism and gender bias has been determined by what we know about women's health and biology, what research is funded and the quality of medical care and treatment that we receive. It's also a financial issue, because debilitating pain affects your ability to work, to earn, to save, and have money to retire well on. According to The Guardian, 15 out of every 1,000 hospitalizations among women aged 15 to 44 in Australia are related to endometriosis. That's not a small number. Hospitalization means time off work and medical bills incoming, and chronic disease brings with it a constant need for pain relief, and that adds up. So this is a good news story because it opens up more treatment or pain relief options. It isn't yet available to be subsidised on the PBS, the Pharmaceutical Benefit Scheme. So it's still fairly expensive at $135 for a one-month supply, according to The Guardian. However, the company has made a submission for it to be available for reimbursement. So watch this space. And in terms of what you can do, the condition affects at least one in nine girls and women. So it's highly likely you might know someone managing endometriosis. Look into what that means, and if they're comfortable talking about it, perhaps ask how you can support when they manage pain symptoms. Nat Van Dartel, who runs a heat pack business, The Happy Uterus, seeks to treat the symptoms of endometriosis which she suffers from. And she's talked about how isolating being diagnosed with an invisible illness can be. So reaching out and being open to a conversation can be a great way to support. And that's a wrap. That's the news making financial feminist headlines this week in Australia. If these headlines have made you think more about your finances, and if you feel inspired to take action, we've got some fantastic existing resources linked on our website, thefinancialfeminist.com. I've been The Financial Feminist. See you next time. Thank you for listening to The Financial Feminist. Come back soon. Financial family.